this is Dominic DeMarc, and I'm your host for Headline Central. Hey guys, it's Dominic DeMarc, and I'm here with Ben and Tess. Today we have a lot to talk about, including the article that Ben wrote, Unpleasant Reality, which looks at how CMU students see racism in Mount Pleasant and on campus. And later we're also going to be discussing on costumes and culture with Tess. So Ben, I read your article and I was really interested in some of the research that you've gotten. Uh, Can you tell our listeners who haven't read the article yet what you wrote about? Yeah, sure. Um, I wrote about uh, what many faculty and staff members and students see as, as a growing Uh, not even a growing problem, a systemic problem that's existed for a pretty long time here in Mount Pleasant. Um, And that is uh, just feeling like they're other, feeling like they're um, being treated treated differently um, because of their race and ethnic background. Um, If you look at the numbers, uh, we have nearly 20,000 on-campus students. Um, Only a couple thousand of those actually identify as a minority group. Um, So already the population is is pretty small here um, while they are still here which is really good. It's a good thing. Um, but there are some still some adjustment problems uh, that we have seen. And the interesting thing was is that um, as I gathered this information, it was really just anecdotes at first, talking to a couple different people, going to a couple Black Lives Matters meetings, uh, going to a couple NAACP meetings, and uh, getting a sense for how a lot of these kids felt. And then the revelation came that there was these studies. Um, So it's really kind of cool because you have hard data that you can pair with these anecdotes. You really can't write a story like this on anecdotes alone. Um, It's kind of just hearsay at that point. But there there was real tangible evidence that this was a problem. And from there, it was pretty easy to gather that information. Uh, The people who uh, funded the, the studies, who led the studies, were very open to talking about this. I think they see it as large of a problem as we do. Um, especially because they're so involved in all of it. Um, so it was really nice to kind of pick their brains about how bad the problem really is. Also, I was like very interested when you said that out of the 2,000-some minority students that uh, did survey, it said that 40% of them felt either discriminated against or ignored because of the racial or ethnic background. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there is any way to reduce that number on CMU's campus? Well, it's interesting. Um, if in, in the article, you read that a lot of these professors, a lot of these other students who uh, kind of commit these microaggressions against people of uh, different races, they often don't know that they're doing it. Um, a lot of this stuff is socialized into us. Uh, before we even get here, uh, whether it's malicious socialization or just kind of just passive socialization um, that we're not really realizing we're doing. Um, You know, I could say some pretty offensive things to someone from a different culture and not even know about it just because I think I'm joking around or or whatever. Um, uh, So I I guess that is one of the big roots of the problem. Uh, There was larger systemic, more in-your-face invidious racism in the town, I think, from a lot of the anecdotes that we heard from staff and faculty. Um, but for the most part, for students, it's 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 overhearing something, overhearing a slur or what what have you, and not really directed at them. Um, so the problem really kind of lies in people's awareness of what they're doing. And you know, we're we're so busy with school, we're so busy with our lives. Uh, a lot of the, the campus is the general age between eighteen and and mid twenties. Um, it's hard to take a step back sometimes and realize what you're doing. But I feel like that's a big part of the the issue, and if we can start to do that, that's, I think, what we can do on campus. Now, I mean, the administrators are rolling out their own ideas. They have their own strategies. They have their own plans, um, and those should those should take effect and should have an impact, um, but it really does come down to your mode of thinking and trying to change that mode of thinking. What I really liked about your, like, your article was when you 
put personal stories in mm-hmm. with other people from CMU. And now that this is out and about, I wanted to know what were some of the responses from the readers that came out? You know, that's one of the best things about doing a story like this is that, you know, you know you're unveiling something that maybe isn't necessarily new, maybe isn't something that's that's mind-blowing, that maybe people think that is a problem but haven't really seen it. Um, but then as soon as something comes like this, it's like a, it's like a bombshell. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy how, how people respond to this real quickly. Uh, one of the best things about our, our social media site on, on Facebook is that you can see who shared the post. And as you see who shared the post, you can see what they've written on their own walls. You can see comments underneath their own walls, too. Um, and I feel like that was really kind of just beneficial looking at that. Uh, you saw students who said, this isn't really a problem. I don't know why they're writing about this. That was few. Um, you have p- students who were uh, or, or white students, particularly white students, who said, wow, I didn't realize that this was that bad. Um, I'm glad that this is out there now. Um, and on the flip side of that, a lot of students of color shared their own stories, stuff that I don't think we have ever would have gotten you know, even if we tried, just because people are very private about when they are discriminated against. And uh, some of the stuff that these kids said was, was just heartbreaking. Uh, some of the things, I, I remember one uh, in particular, uh, I think it's, she, it's a student, she, I think she graduated maybe already, uh, and she was recalling her junior year, and she said that after class she went out and found a note on her car and it had the N-word on it, just, just that. Wow. Um, you know, and so stuff like that you don't hear until you've kind of like, you ring the bell. You cannot ring the bell. Um, and I feel like this is going to give people an opportunity to come out and say how they really felt in town and on campus. Um, I hope that continues. But that was that was the interesting response to me. You're going to get your handful of, of quasi-racist comments from people who don't understand, uh, people from an older generation who just can't wrap their minds around the fact that they might be doing something wrong. Um, and you, it's sad, but you kind of have to deal with that. And that kind of shows the extent of the problem. So it kind of helps in a long way, too. So I think there's a very important topic to talk, like, discuss about. So since you gathered all this information and you put it out there, do you think students are now able to realize that they have been dealing with this issue? Yeah, yeah. And it goes back to that, too, is that, uh, you know, if something bad happens to you, you either have two reactions. You either go and tell someone or you, you bottle it up. Um, you bottle up because you, you don't know how people are going to react to you. It's the same thing with, you know, with sexual assault, too, across the board. Anytime that there's a, you know, an offense towards you, uh, it's hard to react. My hope is, is that now, like, like we said, that people can start having these conversations more out in the open and be able to share that. And, uh, you know, when they do, not be afraid that someone's just going to immediately throw backlash at them, that they'll listen, that they'll have a conversation, that they'll find common ground. So we'll see. So do you think that there's any steps that CMU could take into eliminating this? Or Yeah, and, um, you know, 60% said in this in the, one of the studies in the uh, minority student study said that they don't feel the university is doing enough to promote diversity on campus. Now, that's interesting because I, I wonder how much of that is their own awareness of what's going on on campus sometimes. Um, we do have an Office of Institutional Diversity. Carolyn Dunn, who I did interview in my story, uh, she, she leads that now. She's the associate vice president. She's only been here for a year. Um, but she's already trying to make an impact. One of those ways is to offer more diversity programming, which may or may not be a good bet because a lot of people don't go to cultural programs. It's just a fact. 
Um, and then another way that they're going to try to help is, you know, expanding diversity of curriculum with the university programs. Um, I know for, for us in, in journalism and in marketing PR, we all have to take Journalism 380, which solely looks at, you know, interacting with different cultures, um, specifically four different groups, the main minority groups in, in the U.S. Um, they want to expand that to all different forms of curriculum. And I think that's, I think that's beneficial. I think that's how it starts with education. Um, <clears throat> But there's a lot more to, to be done, and that's the, the changing the hearts and minds kind of mentality. It's funny, uh, Hillary Clinton said that too, uh, Black Lives Matter group. And it may sound like bluster, um, but it, it really is true. Um, until you can change mentalities, you can't change any of these feelings. So it's going to be interesting to see how their education arm of this is going to help. Um, but they just really need to get out there and let people know that there, there is this office, that they can you know, report things to the Office of Civil Rights and everything like that. So um, I think they're, they're doing a lot. I don't think it's really well noticed. And I think the idea of making an impact is going to get that outreach noticed. So. I, I honestly could not agree more with you. Um, last question before we wrap this up. Um, this goes out for both Ben and Tess. Do you guys think that there is a problem with racism on this campus? And if so, how serious is it? Um, well, after looking at all this data, it's hard to not feel that way. Uh, there were some instances within the reports, uh, especially dealing with the police, that I, I do really see both sides. And it's interesting for me as I'm Mexican and Puerto Rican, and I'm also white. I'm, I'm mixed. Um, and I've benefited greatly from, from what many people consider white privilege because I'm pretty fair-skinned. Um, I don't look very ethnic. Um, so I've, I haven't really ever dealt with anything like this as hardcore. I empathize because my, my father had. Uh, my father's fairly dark and, and was called a bunch of slurs when he was growing up. So I understand, um, but you know, sometimes when cops stop people, they don't know what's in cars, no matter who it is. Um, so I understand where the cops are coming from. Do I think that they need to, to work on their tone and, and how they approach people, especially people of color? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, when you're in a predominantly white town like this, predominantly white county, you're going to have these, these butting of heads. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do think there's a problem of racism on this campus and in, in Mount Pleasant. I just don't think a lot of people know that they're doing it. Um, and that's what's sad about it. Absolutely. Tess, what are your viewpoints on this? Um, I think we absolutely have a problem with it. And it was really surprising for me because I am from Detroit. So we have every, you know, demographic there. And when I came up here, I found myself correcting people all the time, correcting the way they, what is politically correct and um, what is inappropriate. So, but like you said many times, and I feel like I witnessed it so many times um, with this culture, not costume thing, is people don't know. People are just ignorant, and that's not their fault. And that's why we need to keep writing articles like this and talking about it so that people can change. Yeah, I mean, the outreach that, you know, culture is not a costume is doing is, is important, too, because they're throwing it in people's faces. And you have to, you have to throw it in people's faces. If you, if you don't, no one's going to wake up and recognize it. And you got to look at our millennial generation, right? Our, our attention span is so short. Uh, we are, our faces are on our phones all the time. Uh, if you're not pushing this in front of people's eyes, they're not going to see it. And, you know, I'm from, I'm from southeast Michigan. I'm from Detroit area, too. So I have the same kind of experience that uh, Tess has of, you know, being so used to 
rich cultures and diversity, not just, you know, African-American culture, but, you know, Hispanic culture, Asian-American culture, tons of stuff. I mean, I live pretty close to Dearborn, and I grew Mm -hmm. up around tons of Arabs. I worked with Arabs. You know, I feel a certain kinship to the Arab community just because of that, and I don't feel like a lot of people have had that experience at all. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's... it's tough, especially tough coming from an area where you're so used to it and then it's just so depleted. Which I think is really interesting, which we're going to talk about next, which my culture is not a costume. But I just wanted to thank you very much, Ben, for taking the time and talking to us about your article. Um, for those that haven't read Ben's article yet, feel free to go on cmlife.com uh, to take a look. Um, and now we're going to be talking about my culture is not a costume with Tess. Uh, So, as many of you know, the Student Government Association, also known as SGA, hosted an awareness about how culture is not a costume. For those of you who do not know, one of the students in the organization dressed up in blackface to demonstrate dressing up as cultural stereotypes. Uh, There were many mixed feelings on whether or not this was too far, or if it was a very informative way to get people's attention on severity of dressing as different cultures or race. So I'm here with Tess right now, and I was just going to ask Tess with the first question. Do you guys think that they handled this appropriately, or do you think that this could have gone differently? I personally think that this was handled in a way that got people's attention. Um, We got so many different reactions. We had people who were like, yeah, this is great. This needs to happen. And then we had people who were like, this is America. I can dress however I want. I can do whatever I want. And then we had people who were like, I'm intrigued. Tell me more about it. And um, I honestly think if we were just standing there with the posters and didn't have the costumes, people would have just ignored us. So I do think it was handled in a way that caught everyone's attention. I think that people don't have the right information to as what is culturally correct and what is not correct, which I think has been very important to the society for today, the day and age, to talk about this. Mm -hmm. So I just want to know, do you think the situation could have been maybe less controversial if someone didn't dress up in blackface or something like they dressed up as a a Native American, excuse me? Um, Yeah, we had people dress up as Native American. Um, I was standing with the group that was dressed up in a kimono as um, Asian culture, and then we had someone also dress up and um, Muslim, a Muslim outfit, and then someone with a bindi wearing an Indian outfit. And um, it's just, I mean, people wear kimonos for Halloween every year. And I just feel like they don't understand that that's not appropriate. And the things that they put on also are not accurate. So we had one girl come up to us and say, but I want to be Pocahontas. Yeah, well, what you're going to wear to be Pocahontas isn't how Native Americans dress. That's completely what Hollywood has created the Native American culture to be. So not only are you being completely offensive, but you're not being accurate, and which makes it ten times worse. So it's so hard for just white Americans to understand that it's their life. It's not one night of the whole year for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, in my opinion, I thought it was pretty sad to see that it took somebody to wear black like blackface in order for people to become very upset about this but yet you see people dressing up as native americans such as pocahontas or people even dressing up as somebody else's religion that they don't practice so i think that's a very interesting way to get somebody else's attention i think they did it i think they did it correctly in my opinion so um i just wanted to change the topic to something that may have more of a gray area 
So since it is Halloween next weekend, I see a ton of little boys and girls dressing up as their favorite Halloween characters. Um, they may not know better or whatnot. So I just want to see what your opinion was of seeing a little kid dress up as their favorite prince or princess that may not be the same culture or race as them. I understand that the intention is probably, obviously, not to be offensive, but I would just strongly discourage parents from um, letting their kids dress up like that because that's such a point of development. And I just think early on we could tackle these issues if we say, be Pooh Bear, be any, that you can be so many different, there's so many other options, like why do we have to be something that's involved with race and it's totally sending the wrong message to our kids if they think that's okay from such a young age. I think you brought up a great point about the fact that if you give somebody, if you start the kids at a young age to show them that, oh, this is not okay to dress the way that mm -hmm. you are, they are going to grow up and be more activists about this and have the same opinions of what you have. Um, ben, would you like to chime in? Do you think that there's possibly like a line to be drawn with innocence and being inappropriate? Yeah, it's it's interesting, especially when you when you talk about with kids and you know their perceptions of these things because like kids don't they just don't know you know they see these Disney movies and they're like I love this character I want to be this person I want to they genuinely want to be that person for that person and in many ways that's like almost more endearing than anything. Uh, um, so you know when you see them in these in these costumes, it's just, it's just I think it's the degree to which they take the cultural appropriation. You know what I mean? If someone wants to be a Pocahontas and they're a little girl and they go out and they're and they're dressed in some Disney sanctioned Pocahontas outfit, yeah, that's still offensive because offensive because it's cultural appropriation. But they're just doing what they think is right. Now, if that kid goes out and he's painted red, that's bad. That's wrong. Um, for a parent to let their kid even out of the house like that it is kind of messed up. But you know exactly what what Tess said. You know you're you're socializing them to, to accept that that's okay, um, and it's it's just not. You know in the converse, like if I wanted to go out and dress like Questlove because I'm a drummer and I love hip hop, right? And I want to be Questlove for Halloween and have the Roots crew. That's all fine and dandy, but if I'm walking around with an afro, a fake afro, and a pick in my hair, no one's gonna know that I'm trying to be Questlove. No one knows that I have a specific hip joke involved. You know they just say, "Wow, this guy's exactly. trying to act black." Um, so again, it comes down to communication, but how are you going to communicate that when you're just passing by someone? It's almost better to just say, you know, it's screw it. It's not that big of a deal. I'll, I'll go be something else, um, for Halloween just so I don't want to, you know, offend anybody. Oh, exactly. And I think I was talking to Tess and Malachi earlier about this, um, that they're just dressing up as food this year. I believe that's what you're saying, <laughs> which I think was awesome. What are you dressing up as again? I'm going to be a strawberry. Malachi's going to be an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> I, hope this, I hope this is like non-GMO food, you know? So. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> going to the, that topic. Yeah. But Tess, do you think that there's possibly a, drawn, or a line to be drawn between innocence and being inappropriate, or do you think it's just a one-sided? I just think... It's not that hard to stay away from. I mean, look at all these superheroes they could dress up as. There's so many characters for them to dress up as. And it, the thing is, kids are like sponges, too. When they go to school and then their peers see that they're dressed in these costumes, that's sending a message out to not just them, but their friends, too. So I just think we should be looking at the parents more. Like, I'm not blaming these kids. You know, I Absolutely. think I know where you're coming the from. parents, yeah, they just, it's so avoidable. And it sends a better message to them if they can just dress up as something I see. I see exactly where you're coming from. Now, I went to the Halloween store this week. And I'm not going to say where where I saw it, but I'm going to come and tie this into gender. I saw 
um, Bruce Jenner and Caitlyn Jenner Halloween costumes right next oh to one another. Goodness. So in addition to culture and race, I wanted to see your view on dressing up as opposite gender or opposite gender or opposite sex. Okay, before we talk about this, can I tell you what I saw at the Halloween Absolutely, store? Absolutely, go for it. I saw face paint for every race, okay? I saw Asian face paint. I saw black face paint. I saw Indian face paint. And they were labeled according to the culture. That's ridiculous. This is 2015, and we still are selling these things. Anyways, going back to your question. Um, the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing is kind of throwing me for a loop because that's really inappropriate, and that's not okay to be mocking something so serious that can affect a whole community like that. It's not a joke. It's not a costume. But I do really think we should be encouraging gender-neutral um, costumes like why are girls always dressing up as teachers there's male teachers everywhere um, and also I think a lot of costumes are very sexualizing of women and that's why people are like I'm gonna be a playboy bunny and I'm like I'm gonna be a strawberry like <laughs> you know what I mean I just don't understand why this holiday is for girls to, to be so objectified yeah in that way and um so, as far as the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing goes, that's completely inappropriate. But I really do think we should be encouraging costumes to be general, gender neutral. I agree. I agree completely. Um, but do you think that there is a difference between young children dressing up as a different gender slash sex other than, like, opposed to an older individual? Yeah. So, what do you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, well... From a child's standpoint, it's totally innocent. Like, if a little boy wants to be a princess for Halloween, go for it. You know, that's awesome. That's not him making fun of a whole gender or, like, a whole community. That's him being himself and expressing himself. For a grown man to dress up as a transgendered woman, that is basically saying that it's not real. It's totally discrediting transgender people, you know? Does that make more sense? That makes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. 100%. But do you think it's more considered inappropriate if a child goes to their elementary school and it's a male dressing up as a cheerleader and a female girl dresses up as a football player? Do you think that's considered inappropriate or do you think that's... No, I don't see anything wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that? No. no. Okay. What, do you, what are your viewpoints, Ben? Um, this Caitlyn Jenner thing is just so just ridiculous. Um. It kind of blows my mind. And I knew this was coming, too, because there's a bunch of uh, websites saying, like, do not wear this Halloween costume. Um, and a lot of them are Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner uh, costumes. Which is extremely offensive in the, my viewpoint. Yeah, the thing is with, with that is, you know, if you take a famous person, right, and your costume is of a favorite, famous person, you know, every single year you see president masks, right? You see an Obama mask, you see a Bush mask, and you can see you can see presidential masks back to Nixon in every single Halloween store. And when you wear those, you're not trying to appropriate that person. Obviously, if I go out an Obama mask, I'm not trying to make fun of Obama. I'm just Obama. You know what I mean? The fact that this whole thing is based around a joke on someone's gender, that's when it's wrong. Um, you know, the whole reason why that there even is a Caitlyn Jenner costume, because people will think it's funny when they go out and wear it, as opposed to celebrating that person's choices or what have you. Um, I just think it's wrong. I thought it was stupid in the first place. I think it's ridiculous that we're even 
entertaining this conversation that that these this is a thing you know and then the face paint that's even more offensive to me because it's like it's like we don't even care at that point um it's pretty pretty wacky i think for when it comes down to kids I, it's just such a different situation um you're talking about children who don't really have the wherewithal to make educated you know mature decisions to people who are first-year college students who should know better and should know right from wrong. You know, if a college student's wearing it, it's almost like more shame on you because, like, come on, man, you know this. If it's a kid, there's not much you can do about it. And, you know, if it's like a a gender-bending situation with a costume, um, especially when you're a young kid, you know, you're not trying to make fun of that person's gender, you know. It's just like, hey, I've switched for the day. Um, you know, people in the LGBT community have been doing that for years uh, as, as a, you know, as a symbol of protest, um, especially in music and in art and things like that. So when you see kids do it, I don't, I don't see much difference in it. Um, it's when it's malicious is when it's a problem. So. Absolutely. You brought up a point, and I kind of want to ask test this. Um, do you think that there is a difference when a kid dresses up as a president and wears a mask considered to... Um, a boy painting their face black being Obama. Do you think that there's a big difference between that? Or do you think it's... I think it depends on the parents. Like, I just, I kind of feel bad, like, focusing on these kids when it's their parents allowing it to happen, you know? So if their parents are doing this to make a joke, President Obama's not a joke. That's not okay. His race is not a joke. But... Um, I mean, if he's, let's say Obama's this kid's hero and he wants to be him, he wants to be president someday, then that's cool. But as far, it just, I guess it depends on the intention as you were saying, Ben. So, um, but if an adult, you know, paints his face black and says he's Obama. It's more offensive than rather than a little kid doing that. Absolutely. I agree. Well, I think that's about it right now. Um, I just want to thank you guys. I'm looking forward to seeing what everybody's going to be for Halloween this year. Hopefully, for the better, non-cultural uh, diverse. Um, I'm going to be a newspaper reporter. Oh, well, that's perfect. Yeah, I, I don't have much to do there. So. <laughs> well, this was Dominic DeMarc here with Ben and Tess for Culture is Not a Costume. Thank you, Tess and Ben. I hope everyone has a great Halloween.